Hey friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave lighthearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. So here's what I'm wondering. Do you guys have an author or somebody that you follow online that you just absolutely love, that you love learning from them, that you wish they could mentor you, that you feel like, man, this person just gives me so much insight and so much wisdom, and I am so grateful that God made them. That's how I feel about Deb Hopper. But the beautiful thing is she's also my mom, (laughs) and I love her more because I know that what she shares online is genuine. And I believe her words with so much more, I don't know, like heart because I see her live them out. And today it's my honor to share her and her book, Simply Pray, with you guys as we read it together for our Leaders, Our Learners book club. Deb Hopper, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So fun to be here with you. Okay. It is a labor of love. You don't love doing podcast interviews. Yeah. No, I don't. So let's just pretend the mic's not here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's actually the first thing I want to talk about. I would like to talk about this reel that you posted the other day, which I haven't even talked to you about the rejections, the book rejections. Yeah. So obviously Simply Pray comes out as of the airing of this podcast, it comes out tomorrow. But this is not only a much longer story about you and prayer, it's also a much longer story about you and writing. Yeah. And we're living in this weird, crazy year of 2024 where most of the adults in our family are publishing a book in 2024, which is not normal. No, it's wild. And I keep reminding people like, that's not, that's not normal. This is crazy, but it's so beautiful it's a longer story for you that I feel like in so many ways, I want you to share how you paved the way for all of us. So talk a little bit about that reel for people who might not have seen it. Well, I really had forgotten about the rejection letters. Mm. I had kind of stuffed that away. Actually, I'm still one of those people who keeps paper files. You know, I have a little file folder for each of you with tidbits from (laughs) your Terrified about what's in there. Just terrified. (laughs) I filtered them. (laughs) But... I was moving my files upstairs a few weeks ago, and I feel like that was just perfect God timing Mm. because I'd forgotten about that that folder of, it said, writings. And it was a couple of things I had written. One article that I had written about the 7-7 principle of Ask, Seek, and Knock, and I had sent to Guidepost magazine in 1988. Wow. 36 years ago, if my math is right. Wow. And then I'd gotten a really nice rejection letter from Guidepost. Yeah. In that day, we didn't have writing coaches. We didn't have writing classes. We didn't have agents that I knew of. I didn't know the track for how to even get started. I just sent an article to my favorite magazine. Yeah. And then a few years later, I must have submitted another one about prayer in the workplace 
to Virtue Magazine, another one of my favorite magazines. So wow. there were two rejection letters. Probably there were 10, but yeah. I saved those two because yeah. they were my favorite yeah. ones. And then I put writing aside. Mm. I've always written since then. I've always yeah. journaled. Yeah. I started with blog posts when when you girls started doing blogs. No, you started a blog before I did. Uh, you sure? I am sure <laughs> because, well, maybe not a blog. You definitely had Twitter before I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I was starting all of the yes the, the things in yes. ministry. But then when you did your blog, the first one. Yeah, Naptime Diaries. Naptime Diaries. Well, before that, it was called Babes Having Babes. Okay. I'd forgotten that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a gem. Babes Having Babes. Yes. Oh. So I had a private blog for a while. Yeah. And then I had a public one, which I can't even find anymore. Yeah. But I did write over the years, but never... I think I just stuffed down that dream yeah. of writing for anything other than myself yeah. until 2020 uh-huh. when you started prompting and pushing and encouraging all of us who were sitting around with time on our hands to write. Mm-hmm. Which I have now heard you say that, but can I tell you the truth? I don't remember ever doing that in 2020. I've yeah. heard you say that, but I don't even remember one conversation. Yeah. I'm like, did I really? Or did you? Or was it just in you guys? No, you said it. I remember specifically, you said you all should be writing a book. We were at the at the dining room table uh-huh. on Sunday lunch. And so it must have been months into the pandemic because we were back together. Yeah. yeah. And you said, I know you've all got a book in you. And then you looked at me and said, Mom, you've been writing for years. Yeah. That sounds like me. Yes. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> okay. I want to get to the book. I want to talk about Simply Pray, but I want to go somewhere else first. So when I think about the the freedom and the leadership and the healing and even the calling that I live in now, and I want to relate this to prayer as well, because I got the honor of writing the forward for your book. And I said in the forward of your book, like I have never really had funky feelings about prayer, which I do believe that many people do for great reasons, but I don't think I've ever had a complicated relationship with prayer because of watching you and because of your relationship with prayer. But I also want to say that I think there's this piece about you when I hear that about writing the article and when I remember growing up that you're such a cultivator. So any area you're in, you have always had this distinct capacity and like drive to cultivate it, to lead within it, to make it better, to share about it. Like even thinking about you writing that article about prayer in the workplace, which was based on the fact that at the time you were leading like this beautiful prayer group in your secular workplace, right? your nine to five office job, you decided like, hey, I'm going to start this prayer group that really brought like revival and wild fruit in so many different ways. But you've always been such a cultivator. And I've brought this up to you like a million times, but I want to ask you on, live on the podcast. And if, and if my memory fails me, then it'll just, we'll just cut it out, I guess. But I tell you, I always think back to this one conference slash event that I remember you hosting when I was little. Do you remember this? Yes. Well, can you tell me again what it was? It was for the United Methodist Conference, the district conference in okay. Charlotte. I believe is the one you're thinking about. I think so. But it was big. of conferences. But it was big. And it was like your idea. No, I was just asked to write a script for it and to help develop the program for it. It wasn't my idea. 
Okay. It was a conference event, but the people that I was in ministry with, that I was serving with at the local church, they had been tasked with doing the program. Okay. And so they got me on board to help write the program. Okay. Well, in my mind, I don't know how old I would have been. Maybe 10, 11, 12. You were probably nine or 10. Yeah, I would say. Because because I don't think that you and Gibson were married yet. No, we yeah. Weren't. It was before 94. Okay. So you're still a single mom. <clears throat> and I remember Katie, my older sister, danced in it. Yes. I remember the music paused in the middle of her dance and it was stressful, but it started yes. again. But yeah. I remember kind of looking around at that wide eyed and being like, my mom did all this. This is wild. And I don't know why, like I captured that. And I've looked back on that one core memory for maybe wow. the last 10 years of leadership of like, I think that started something in me of like, she, like she's leading this. Like she's, she's, she's cultivating this moment. I didn't have the language for it then, but I could tell that you were shepherding that moment and all the life change that was happening there. Yeah. And I, I thought it was beautiful. I feel like that's what you've always done. Like you've looked at every situation you've been in and you've said like, how can we cultivate this? How can we grow this? How can we move this forward? How can we bring health and fruit to that? And obviously, like, I think that's a lot of what Simply Pray comes out of is your time as a single mom where you hit a wall and said, like, I don't accept this defeat anymore, you know? So now, as we segue into the book, will you talk a little bit about that? Talk a little bit about, like, the real, real genesis of Simply Pray that season. Well, it was just a couple of years into me being single again. Mm -hmm. The two of you, you were three and six, four and seven, something like that. We were in a, a tough place, like financially, physically, not spiritually, I think. It, but, but it was kind of a where the rubber meets the road. It was kind of a the bottom of the pit, you know, yeah. for me. It was yeah. one of those many times transformation doesn't start to happen in our lives until we are at the bottom and yeah. reach up. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I remember. I mean, yeah. I describe it in the book as an after an avalanche and you know, yeah. the avalanche has come, you can't do anything about it, but you've just got to reach up for help. Yeah. And I knew that I was, you know, dangerously on the edge, but I had a good friend who sat down and said, it's time. She told me over lunch one day, it's time to, to get your life in order. Mm. No, you're a mess. <laughs> she said it much more yeah. kindly than that. But yeah. she, it was the wake up call that I needed. Yeah. And then she called me after I cried for the whole lunch. She called me the next day and said, I've got a tool for you to use to reach up. It worked for me mm. and my daughter when I was a single mom. And I think it will work for you. And she, then she told me about ask, seek, and knock in yeah. Matthew 7, 7. And that was a, a pivot point for me. Yeah. It was a time that I quit wallowing in self-defeat. I quit blaming, shaming yeah. all the things yeah. that we do sometimes when we're in a pit. Yeah. And I reached up to God. Yeah. And the whole story is in the book. And like, obviously people will read about the action you took. But what I hear every time you tell that story is that you said like, it's going to take God. Yeah. Like my life does feel like a mess, 
but whatever happens next is going to take supernatural help. It's going to take God. And so I don't want to share too much more of that story because I really want people to read the book. I don't want them to read all about what happened in the book, but I do want to say that that's when my memory begins of like, of seeing Matthew 7, 7 on the note cards all around our house. I just want to say to any moms or any future moms out there that you share a little bit about our teen years and like those hard seasons in our family. And I think I've probably shared a little bit on the podcast, but like Katie and I were a whole handful. We, we were not walking with God. We were like some of the wildest kids you've ever met. The beauty of growing up in a house where Matthew 7, 7 was written on every mirror and in every kitchen cabinet, and that implanted in my mind so that when, by grace through faith, something sparked and I wanted to walk with Jesus, that I knew immediately that I could ask him for help, that I could seek his face, that I could knock on like the gates of heaven and say, help. It was wild. It was like a spiritual muscle that was already built in me before I knew Jesus, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. We never know how little things like that impact our families, our children. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. That's again, where I just credit you with so much cultivation because you're still doing that in our family. Like, let me give you an example. Now a huge embedded piece of our family culture is something you've been saying for years. And now all my kids say it angels to the north, south, east, and west. So whenever we would leave and you would send us and you would pray for us in the car or whatever, you would say angels to the north, south, east, and west. And now even my kids say it when we're leaving or driving. It's good. And and it is like such a wild and beautiful declaration of just like this reminder to our hearts that God has us, that he loves us, but also like a calling down from heaven, you know, or to heaven, like help us, protect us, you know. I'm really grateful. Okay. I want to kind of skip over all those years because I want everybody to read about them in the book, but I want to say, okay, take us back to the actual book writing process. Okay. It's 2020. You decide you want to write, you would need to find a publisher. I have the beautiful privilege of having seen like, then you had your own like secondhand ask, seek, not journey through the process of publishing. Exactly. Talk about it. (laughs) So when you challenged us to write in 2020 and I started thinking about the process, my first question was, do I do traditional publishing or self-publish? Yeah. And you kind of challenged me on that one a little bit. Yeah. I'd love to share why. Yeah. In case anyone's listening who might be interested in publishing. I think there's nothing wrong with self-publishing. Love self-publishing. I think that a lot of women move towards self-publishing out of defeat because they assume they cannot get published. And so I said, like, number one, let's don't just like accept defeat in this area and assume it's not going to happen. Number two, I love the refining process of traditional publishing. A lot of people don't love the refining process of (laughs) traditional publishing. And I would like us to talk about that next. But what traditional publishing does, a lot of people say like, I don't want to publish my book and have an editor like water it down and change it and change the title and make me say things I don't want to say. I actually do love that process because it takes my kind of wild manifesto-y, sometimes not relatable stories and turns it into something that 
someone who I've never met can actually learn from and relate to. And so I appreciate that process. So those are kind of some of the big reasons that I encourage people towards traditional publishing, because I do think the traditional publishing world is changing, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you have to have a large platform. And I think that one way we change that is by women who have all platform size and all lifestyles, like try traditional publishing. Anyways, that's my manifesto about traditional versus self-publishing. Okay. Well, the manifesto worked because (laughs) I decided at that point, to go the traditional publishing route. So the first step that you encouraged me on was to get a writing coach. Yeah. Because I don't know whether you did that, so you wouldn't have to be my personal I coach. I did not do it for that reason. <laughs> but you knew that it would sharpen me and yeah. it would take this nebulous idea and put it into more of a format. Yeah. Because you can download all of the book proposals you want to, but... Yeah. If you get someone who does this yeah. full time, yeah. you're going to get a better product. Yeah. So I did contracted with Liz Morrow mm-hmm. and best decision ever. Who and Liz ended up working with Nick. She did. And, and did she work with Katie, Katie and Josh? And Josh yes. Yeah. And help them all get published. So she coached all of yeah. us in and around the same year or two years. Yeah. Which so if any of you are thinking like, well, they all got book deals because Jess helped them. I didn't. Liz did. Yeah. I mean, I encourage them, but Liz really like was the coach I would suggest anybody go to. I would really suggest anybody get a writing coach or publishing coach. It was really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It was another like year in the process. So it was a little discouraging to me who is like Enneagram three. I want to just get into it. Yeah. But it was so needed. And yeah. So during that period of time, she helped me really get the chapter headings, the outline, and the first three chapters written. And then it was time to get an agent. You had some ideas. You threw some names out. I did. And I approached a couple. And the first one that was kind of a little roadblock to me was very interested in the book and the Mm -hmm. concept, but she felt I didn't have a big enough platform. And so that was a discouragement because I had to pause and and think, okay, do I want to wait and build a platform? Yeah. Or is God telling me to keep going with this? Yeah. And I really took about three or four months off the process to ask God that. Yeah. I did an ask process of my mm-hmm. own, an ask, seek, and knock, really 60 days, like saying, is this really something you've given me to do? Yeah. Or is this my own desire? Yeah. And at the end of those times, and actually, I used social media to like flesh out yep. that need. Yep. I wanted to say, does anybody really care about prayer? You know, do you right. need to know more about prayer? Right. And I got a resounding yes from mm, thank many, you, God. Many, many people on social media. I decided then I'm going to try this again. I'm going to try another agent, yeah. which I did. Yes. I reached out to Tom Dean. Yeah. And Tom gave me the answer that I needed. He said, mm. I'd like to pray about this. Right. For a couple of months. Delay number two. But I wanted a man who prayed Come on. representing a book about prayer. Come on. So I the only thing I said was, Tom, if if this is a hard no, will you just tell me? Because yeah. I need to keep my momentum going. Yeah. And he said, no, I'll let you know if it's a hard no. So two to three months later, Tom called me up, said he would love to represent me. But along the way, so many more refining moments. 
So many sharpening moments. It's funny. We were talking just in our office the other day and I was telling my team that somebody mentioned something along the lines of like, you know, this kind of work is hard because when you are receiving feedback, it's so tender. It's so spiritual. And I was like, right, exactly. And people who might think like that authors don't have bosses, you you do. They're called editors and readers, you know? And when they give you feedback, it's sometimes about the most intimate parts of what you believe about God or what you've experienced or how you said it. And so I just saw you pray so faithfully through that process. Obviously, like now spanning, you know, 36 years of a process, but even more than that, because you felt called to ministry as a teen. You know, and so I don't know. It's just that part of the story is so beautiful to me that as you're teaching people about this process of asking and seeking and knocking, you're also living it out. And that means a lot to me. Okay, so I shared earlier in the episode, I want to credit you, but I don't really have a complicated relationship with prayer. I've got complicated parts of my relationship with God in all different kinds of ways. There's different things that I struggle with, like doubt or fear about. But prayer is like something that is weirdly and again, I, thankfully, I thank you. It's always just felt really simple to me when I feel like God doesn't answer a prayer the way I hoped he does. I don't know why, but in my mind, I'm like, well, he must have a better plan. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just a simple area for me. There are other areas, as you know, that are very complicated for me. This is just one where there's a little simplicity. Who I want you to speak to now is I want you to talk to the gal who's listening, who's like, that's not my story. It's very complicated for me. I don't want to pray. I feel funky about it. In fact, like maybe even just talk to this gal. I was talking to somebody the other night at church and she said, hey, can I pull you aside and ask you a question real quick? And I was like, sure. She said, number one, how do I get good at prayer? Which I definitely want you to speak to that. And then she said, how do I handle fear of praying for people and like being scared that God's not going to answer their prayer, that he's going to let them down. So what would you say to the gal who's like, this is not simple for me. This is very complicated. I'm terrified to get a book like this. I would say that you will learn so much by pressing in. You will learn so much about yourself and about God if you just press into that a little bit. And I'm still learning every day about God. I mean, just yesterday I was having kind of a pressing the wall question with God about a prayer he revealed something to me about my timeline, you know, and how I see I don't pray to God for a specific outcome on a specific date, but I always have a timeline in the back of my head. Yeah. I always have a strategy or a way yeah. I think it's going to work out. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, it's going to be his way, which is so much better. But I have to go back. I would say that if you're just starting, Start simple and trust him with the outcome. But then the very first answer prayer you get, hold on to that like Come it on. is a lifeline. Come on. Write it down. Remember it. Yeah. Rehearse it. Yeah. Tell yourself again and again, because that's what keeps me going on the days when I'm struggling with a, a complicated prayer or yeah. one that's not, doesn't have a an easy solution outcome Sure, that I go back to all the many other times when he did answer and he answered in a way that was unexpected. Or I read in the Bible about a way that Jesus was the answer for people who were expecting somebody riding in, you know, on a chariot. And I'm like, Oh yeah, they didn't get it either. Yeah. So I'm not always going to get it, 
What I appreciate about your book is that it is called Simply Pray, and it is written in a way that is so accessible. But prayer really is not simple. I want to just encourage people who feel like they can't get it together in this area of their life, or they're like, I just have never had a great prayer life. Talking to God while it's accessible and while he doesn't hide from us and he doesn't make it confusing, and your book is such a great guide for that, it's a deeply theological issue. Like using our words to talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth and wrestling out whether or not he listens and how he'll respond. Like this is not Christianity 101. It really isn't. It's it's deeply theological and it presses against all of our boundaries and borders about what we know about him and what we believe about him and how we hear from him. And so I think that if you're somebody who would say like, this is not an area of victory in my life, they're going to love Simply Pray because it is written in such an accessible way. But this isn't light, easy peasy stuff. But it is the most beautiful journey Come on. that you can take. With. I mean, yeah. it's one that that he can show you deep, deep places. Yeah. And he can show you little bitty joys yeah. of the day. If you yeah. just give the, the smallest things up in prayer, if you just yeah. talk about them as you're driving, as you're walking, as you're, you know, going about your your day. Okay. Can I ask you a really practical question? What does your current prayer life look like? What do your rhythms look like? My rhythms are morning time, which is not my best verbal time. Mm -hmm. I usually write my prayers out Mm -hmm. because I'm just not a, a quick early morning person like some of you are. So I, I journal that for years. I I use paper journals now. I use my iPad and I just have a section called me and God Mm -hmm. and I pour my heart out on there. I mean, I put the ugly, the dirty, the gritty. And the nice part about the iPad is you can delete it. You don't have to rip the page out. If I go back months later, I'm like, oh, I was a mess that day, God. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. I can just delete that page. That's so funny. That's hilarious. Listen, so I'm getting I, to the age where somebody's going to be reading this stuff. I know. You told me that. I don't want it to ever be a deterrent for somebody in their yeah. Facebook. Yeah. That I was too messy. And I mean, he knows I'm messy. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. I hope you leave some of the messy stuff in. Oh, there's a few. Okay. I want to tell you about my current prayer rhythms because you helped me develop them. And as I'm saying it out loud, I'm thinking we need to give this thing away. That five-year prayer journal that you got me for my ordination. I Do you see it sitting right there yeah, in my quiet time stack? I have not gotten to tell you how much I love it, but I love it. I'm so- Mom got me on the day I got ordained. She got me this five-year prayer journal where you just write in things you're praying for each day, but then you can see a five-year span of time. So I'm obviously on the first year. And I have used that for kind of like my intercession moment in the mornings. And it's so life-giving. So I literally just write it out. It's just like in list form. But as I write it out, I take that moment and just kind of hand it to God, release it to God, like ask if he's telling me anything about it. And it has become one of my new favorite rhythms. I love it so much. And then I'll also say this. I stole this from Carlos Whitaker a couple of years ago, but same. I spend time with the Lord in the morning, but I I don't have a lot of words. And so I've gone back and forth between like journaling out all my prayers. And sometimes I still do that. But what I end up falling back to in most seasons is I 
have a prayer. And this is what I stole from Carlos Whitaker. And I wrote a blog post about this and we'll link it in the show notes. But I have a written prayer that's about two to three pages long that I just now read in the morning. So I wrote it one day when I was thinking through what do I want to pray about every morning, you know, but now I just kind of read that and like declare. So like praying for each of the kids, praying over work, praying over like different things that I know I need to release, praying over our house, et cetera. And that's helped me a ton too. Yeah. And when I said that my morning time is kind of my time with God, it's really not my intercession time. Yeah. That's just kind of, let's get my heart right, guys. Yes. Like reset me for today. Let me get all the sin out, all the yuck out and remind me who you are. Mm -hmm. Remind me how great you are. Yeah. And then let me face forward. I've kind of developed a rhythm lately of doing my intercession on Mondays. Mondays are a day that I typically wow. don't schedule a lot of yeah. appointments or anything out of the house. I yeah. call it my heart and home day. Yeah. And so on Mondays, I put the music on really loud. Mm. Sometimes I'll replay one song just for an hour because yeah. I need to get, like, get it deep. Wow. And I have a separate journal on my iPad that... I use the prayer journal that I've offered online. We can put that in the show notes too. So I use that journal and write intercession prayers for friends, family, anyone who's asked me to pray for them. And then I go back on Mondays and also I I really look back at, at everything for the year and what has God answered. Yeah. Because I love crossing it off and putting yeah. the AP answer prayer and like what yeah. they told me. Oh, I love that. So. That's so great. Okay. I have one last question for you and take a minute to think about it if you need to. What are you praying for right now? For me? For anything. Or intercession? I'm praying for, first of all, my husband and I in this season of life mm-hmm. to have fullness mm-hmm. and yet not to, for me, who I typically do take on a lot, mm-hmm. started a nonprofit this year mm-hmm. and the book launch is obviously taking some time, but I, I want a balance in our life. I, you know, I'm always looking for that. Balance. Yeah, so I'm praying in this empty nester. I don't want to call it retirement because I don't think we're retired. But yeah. in this season of life, that we would have a full, rich life, but also have margin. So I'm praying for that. Praying for some family members and some people that are in need physically. Yeah, that need healing. Yeah, that's good. I love it. So good. How can we pray for you with this book coming out? You can pray that I will do everything that's needed of me to get it in the hands of people who need it. Yeah. And that I'll trust God with the rest. Yeah. That's been my prayer since day one, mm-hmm. since I signed with the publisher. Mm-hmm. It was like, God, you know where this needs to go. Help me get it there if there's anything I can do. Yeah. If there's anyone who needs it, I want them to have it. I. I, of course, want it to be in the hands of every single mom that I can see and yeah. hear and know about because God rescued me during that season of life. But just that that God will do what only he can do. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for everybody listening. Friends, if you are not already a part of the Leaders or Learners Book Club, you have got to join. It's free. You can join at the link in our show notes. And we are going to be reading Simply Pray by Deb Hopper this month. It is a beautiful book that is going to give you just such an accessible guide to asking and seeking and knocking in your life. But it's also going to just share some incredible stories about God's faithfulness and give you some 
deep insight on how to grow and see fruit in your prayer life. So let me pray for Deb and let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for my mom. I thank you just for the kindness and generosity for getting to know her and getting to learn from her and getting to be taught by her and getting to be parented by her. And we just call down heaven on this book launch. We say, send it into the places that it needs to be. We ask for a work of multiplication, that you would take her effort and you would multiply it exponentially, that you would wildly encourage and wake up the prayer lives of every person that reads it. God, we pray for people to meet Jesus through this book. We pray for people to meet spouses through this book. We pray for people to meet healing through this book. We pray for families to experience reconciliation and revival through this book. I thank you for her work. And yeah, we just call down favor and blessing on it. And I pray for my friends too, that they would experience some exponential fruit in their lives as well as they simply pray, as they seek you in this area, and as they see your kingdom come to earth in their prayer lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Jess A. Connolly or head to my website, JessConnolly.com for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go. Let's go.